Well, the Prime Minister and an entourage are in India. They have headed there, focused on what the Prime Minister says is India's rapid technological growth and expanding digital economy. Uh, technology is booming in India on a scale that's spurring development far beyond what's happening in the West, apparently. Even in the poorest slums of India, most people now own a smartphone. But there's a lot more to it than this. India has a lot of mouths to feed. Their population is soon to exceed China's. And yet they are, according to records, our sixth most important trading partner. Why aren't they further up the ladder? Uh, Let's have a talk about what Anthony Albanese hopes to achieve and secure in India. Our expert on international affairs is Dr. Keith Souter, the managing director of the Global Directions Think Tank and has his own podcast on the list of rapids called Global Truths. He's on the line now. Keith, good morning to you. Yes, good morning, Luke. Yeah, it's a significant uh, visit to India. I know that Penny Wong was there recently, but they should be a more significant trading partner than they are, shouldn't they? They are, and they're gradually working their way up the list. Um, and it's, it's worth bearing in mind that it's not just the Prime Minister who's going. He's actually leading a very large delegation uh, containing representatives of Australia's major financial institutions, Qantas and universities. Um, so it, it is a major event. What the, there are two items on the agenda. One which is attracting most of the attention is given over to trade. There'll be some sort of new free trade agreement that'll in, enable Australian goods to get into India and more Indian goods to get into Australia. And bearing in mind how cheaply things are made in India, that might actually help to fight some of the inflation in Australia if you can buy things more cheaply. So that so that's the trade dimension to this, and that's what most of the people in the delegation are going over there for. And linked to that, of course, is also the education export. Um, this is now the export of education is a technical term, meaning we bring overseas students into Australia and educate them in our universities. And that is now um, our third largest export industry behind coal and iron. And in the case of the state of Victoria, it's actually number one. So Victoria is rebranding itself. It used to be the garden state. Now it's the education state. So clearly they want to bring in more Indian students um, to study at our university. So that's one strand. The other strand is the defence strand. Uh, India and Australia both share a common concern over China. The countries do disagree over Russia and Ukraine. I was going to ask uh, you that, yeah. Yeah, but they are certainly of one mind when it comes to China. And so there will no doubt also be uh, strategic consultations, not so much in the public eye, uh, but that they will also be underway. And I think the, the bottom line with this huge delegation is that Australia is trying to show that there's more to the relationship with India than just cricket, curry and the Commonwealth. We're trying to deepen that relationship. And India, in a, in a sense, is a more natural partner for Australia because it's a democracy and English is one of its main languages. So there's a lot that we can build on when it comes to India. Um, and clearly, the, we've not had a prime minister go out there for six, uh, six years, which is a bit of a surprise. So obviously, Albanese is trying to make up for that. So it's a very important trip indeed. And it's a good news story. Do you think Australia needs to look carefully at the way it recognises skilled labour coming out of India and coming into Australia, considering we have a massive skill shortage? 
Oh, absolutely. And, of course, we also need doctors and nurses yeah. for the particularly regional And areas. engineers. And <laughs> yeah, yep. So I think there's a lot. And as I say, English is, is a, a more commonly spoken language there than you'll see in China. So I think there's much that we can do in terms of recruitment of workers coming into this country. Um, and, of course, as well as enhancing the all the food outlets as well that we've got in this country, more Indian curries, etc. Well, so there's a lot to be said for bringing more Indians into this country. Well, yeah, but as I said, you know, India has a hell of a lot of mouths to feed and we have a lot of food to sell. I, I was talking, I took a group of listeners to India for three weeks a few years ago and one of the people on our trip was an Australian who imported carpets and he was telling me, he said it's really hard to do business with India sometimes because there are so many levels of government and bureaucracy and red tape you're going to go through. Yeah, this is called the License Raj. This um, arose out of really the, the way in which India chose to do its independence economic development. It heavily influenced, uh, unfortunately, by some British academics because a lot of the leading Indians been educated at universities in England. Uh, they saw the way in which Britain had developed after World War II. They took back to India their ideas of, of all this red tape, which was an Indian characteristic uh, before World War II, but it certainly continued after independence. So, yeah, so this is the Licence Raj, but it was starting to be wound back in the, in the 1990s uh, by... Um, an Indian, well, then treasurer, but ended up later as prime minister. And um, what they did was to, without fuss, they introduced Perestroika and Glasnost. Remember, that's what yep. Mikhail Gorbachev tried to introduce in the Soviet Union. And the whole thing came down around his ears. The Soviet Union collapsed. So what the Indians did, they did it much more gently, without fuss, without publicity, and they've gradually cut back on a lot of the red tape. But you're right, there is still a lot of red tape, which is why... Hopefully, we're going to be getting an economic agreement which will enable goods and services and people to move more freely between our two countries. So there are lots of lucrative opportunities, yep? Absolutely. And of course, you know, whenever we've discussed China, I've always said we shouldn't have all of our eggs in the China basket. Mm. We've got to be looking for alternative markets. And India is an ideal example of an alternative market. You have been saying that. That's exactly right. All right, well, we'll watch this progress with great interest. And I just wonder, uh, th this stadium where they're playing this fourth test, Dr. Keith, it seats 130,000 people and it's named after the Indian Prime Minister. It's hard to talk. <laughs> if, that, if, if that's not imposing, I don't know what is. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and it's apparently this cricket match is going to have the largest audience ever recorded. Uh, so it's going to be uh, a really splendid event, I think, which the uh, Indians are going to put on. And that, of course, you know, the, uh, the previously we've had a delegation out there which contained Alan Gilchrist. So, you know, it's all part of this building links at the human level, at the sporting level, as well as the more academic and uh, defence and finance level. So there's a lot that we can do to improve relations between Australia and India. Absolutely. Dr. Keith, always good to talk to you. Look forward to your podcast, Global Truths, on the list of rap, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Dr. Keith Souter here on The Night Shift on Triple M.